There's this question of how do I make sure that management has an experimental mindset, has an external mindset, so I'm trying things, I'm learning from the outside, and I'm not letting management build systems where they say no to everything because it's more comfortable to say no. Because part of a board's job is to make management slightly uncomfortable. And that's a case where I, where I, I really want to encourage hard consideration of what the risks are, not just the downside risks, but the opportunity costs of not doing things. From McKinsey and Company, I'm Sean Brown, and welcome to Inside the Strategy Room. That was Douglas Merrill, a partner in our Southern California office, talking about the essential role boards can play in engaging management teams to ensure they fully explore the potential of generative AI, even beyond their current comfort zones. Today, we'll discuss the most important questions boards need to ask their senior executives as their companies move to adopt this new technology. We have a great group with us today who are experienced in both technology and board practices. Douglas was the Chief Information Officer and VP of Engineering at Google before joining McKinsey. He now coaches CEOs and their teams on maximizing the effectiveness of their technology organizations. Douglas, welcome. Thanks for having me. Also with us is Fritjof Lund, our managing partner in Norway, who also leads our firm's board services practice globally. Fritjof is also a co-author of a recent article on this topic that we'll share with you in the show notes. Fritjof, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Sean. And next, we have Alexander Sukarevsky, a senior partner in London and the global leader of Quantum Black, our AI arm. He's also a co-author of the article with Fritjof. Alexander, it's great to have you here today. Thank you, Sean. Great being here today. We're also joined by Aaron Rosenberg. He's a partner at Radical Ventures, where he leads that firm's European and London investment activities and operations. Aaron also has extensive experience in scaling organizations and building AI platforms. Aaron, welcome to the session. Thanks, Sean. Looking forward to the conversation. And I am too. So Alexander, uh, let's start with you. Gen AI was the business topic of the year in 2023. Is it real or is it hype? Will everyone's attention move to some other new technology this year? Thanks, Sean. It's very real, but it's very early. Because while we all believe we became an expert in AI, and that's the talk of the street. At the same time, if you look at the numbers, ChatGPT is still used only in 4% vis-a-vis WhatsApp. If you think about software engineers who got access to the tools beyond few selected organization, it's actually happened only in July when 10 million software engineers got access to the tools. So if you remove some summer vacations, you would realize with essentially we're only a few months into the game. On the other hand, why I believe it's real? Essentially, if you remember what internet did to distribution of goods, especially virtual goods, that's what generative AI does to creativity. All of a sudden, we could get 50 or 100 times, a 1,000 times cheaper outcomes in significantly faster pace. That's the first time in 15 years that we would see a shift of platform, similar to 2007 when first cloud, social network, and smartphone appeared. And then we saw a lot of apps. These days, it's really not just about generative AI, but AI more generally, as well as a few other technologies that probably we speak less about, be it Web 3.0, around tokenization of real assets and transactions, be it augmented and virtual realities. 
Now, while there is a lot of discussion, is there a value here and where is the money? I think what we could clearly see that if we think about what the theoretical potential, it's higher than GDP of Great Britain today. And it's based only on the productivity improvements. But if you think about the full potential of reinvention, it's significantly higher. Thanks, Alexander. That is a great way to begin to quantify what does sound like an incredible opportunity. The potential value in your article was more than $7 trillion, which is quite eye-opening. So since we're here today to talk about boards, what should be the main points of focus for board directors in regards to Gen AI? Now, there are quite a few questions that I think are missed when we have in this discussion. Number one, and I touched upon it with the other technologies, is it really just generative AI or other technologies as well? And by the way, if you think about productivity, generative AI is only 20 to 30%, and there is still 70% to be unlocked with other AI techniques. Number two, when we're looking across the board, the real question, are you ready to step back and considering the huge disruption, really think, how do you reinvent your business or actually your industry? Because all of a sudden you could disintermediate, you could significantly reduce your cost curve, and by the way, you could acquire new consumers and customers organically. And that's the trend we're seeing across uh, Gen AI apps. Number three, while we all carry the way around the next shiny technology, the question is, where is the money? And here we should look at the full value chain, be it around the peripheral technologies or peripheral tools that will clearly create a lot of value. To actually have blend between technology that, frankly, at some point of time will become a gene factor and really the creativity design, as well as the data you're able to blend in to create a new B2B and B2C apps. Number four is really around talent and what talent do you need the organization, be it technology talent, but also rest of the organization app skill to be able to use technology and provide advantage and augment human beings. Number five is only 11% of use cases ever made it into production, meaning only one out of 10 was ever real. So the question is, how do we move from experiments to really reinvention of domains and scaling of AIs? And then last but not least is really, how do you deploy generative AI, but AI more broadly in a responsible and secure way? And I think there are enough tools today to focus on day-to-day be it around IP, be it around data, be it around cyber. But we should also stand back and be responsible adults for uh, our future generations and really think what are the second and third order implications of deploying AI, be it on society, be it on environment, or be it in general on the way we do business or interact as human beings. So I think these are the six questions that are clearly important that Uh, the boards, both management boards, but clearly the supervisory boards are going to look at. Thank you, Alex. So do you feel that the evolution of Gen AI is moving us from the concept of augmented intelligence to having access to truly artificial intelligence? Well, thanks for this question, Sean. And I'm not a big fan of artificial intelligence term because it's very hard to explain. Sounds great, but it's not really human. So when we speak about artificial intelligence, I much prefer to use the notion of hybrid intelligence, where we bring the best of humans and machines working together. It requires quite a a bit of augmentation, both on our capabilities, but clearly also on the data, on the um, IT architecture, in order for all these things to work together. 
And if the question behind the question, is it easy? Yes, it might be easier on creative side as opposed to precision that takes significantly more resources at the back end, right? Both on human side, but also on the machine. On the other hand, the same enablers that we always needed for AI are needed here as well. And if anything, even more, you should control the costs and you should control the risks. So I don't think it's necessary easier on the productivity and scale side, but it's clearly pro provides very different opportunities for reinvention of the business. Great, thank you. So today we want to focus on the board's role in ensuring that management both mitigates the risks and pursues and captures the opportunities of Gen AI. So Fritjof, you work with a lot of boards. What are the expectations of boards now and how can they play the role of catalysts of change? Yeah, thanks, uh, Sean, and thanks, Alex, for for the intro on, uh, on AI. And of course, I think it's useful to take a big step back and look. Now, if you look back the last two decades on the expectations to boards of directors in general, we've seen a quite significant shift, and that has gone through a, uh, a set of S-curves. We had the first big uh, step change in the expectation in the aftermath of uh, the large corporate scandals where we got Sarbanes-Oxley, we got regulation, we got compliance uh, expectations to the boards. Then in the aftermath of the financial crisis, we got a new step change in the expectation of board of directors, expecting them to not only be compliant, but also understand have a deep independent view on the risk in the portfolios of the financial institutions. And then you had a new S-curve and a new step change in expectation during the last decade, I'd say, of the, some of the technological disruptions where it was not enough for board of directors just to be ensure compliance and avoid you know, fraudulent behavior and have an independent view on the risk and what was going on in the company. But the boards also were expected to help management uh, look through uh, behind the next corner and to help navigate the company in a time of uh, technological changes and disruption. And then actually, it is not only supporting management in looking around the next corner, but sometimes the boards really needs to be the, the catalyst for change. Uh, and uh, that could be on sustainability, which we've seen over the last couple of years, but it might also be exactly to this discussion around uh, the use of AI, generative AI, where the board could bring perspectives which are not necessarily within the management team because the management team has grown up in a different context. So this is a bit the backdrop of the, the uh, expectation currently to the boards to play a pretty engaged role. Thanks, Fritjof. Boards and their companies have faced major technological disruptions before. Is there anything that we can learn from the past that boards can apply to overseeing the pursuit and deployment of Gen AI today? I, I think that it has not been maybe with the, with the same acuteness uh, or the same um, shorter time span of, of the recent, at least, developments in Gen AI. Uh, however, I would say the whole sort of disruption of consumer patterns, uh, online uh, behavioral uh, or, or uh, consumer patterns uh, over the last decade. If you look at some of the e-commerce uh, companies or the classical e-commerce companies who did not manage that transition and the, how uh, they struggled, uh, I think that is at least an example of where maybe boards of directors could have been even more I'd say forward-leaning in helping guide and also challenge. It's always a combination of challenging and supporting management in uh, making the right strategic decisions. And then, of course, I would also just do the parallel to uh, to the early days of the pandemic, where 
again, it was not a technology, uh, technological uh, disruption, but it was really a fundamental disruption, which was so significant where the boards and the management teams needed to work together extremely intensively and to be much more of a one team and having a much closer team mentality. And maybe that is a little bit, we're not all the way there, but maybe this is a little bit the mentality we need to have in order to tackle Gen AI in the best way. But Alex, Aaron, Douglas, what do you think? Well, I would like to underscore what Fritjof said around the speed, because I truly believe that the future hyperscalers are created as we speak, and many of us cannot even spell their names yet. And while many of us are focused around risks, that is probably a right thing to do, I do think it's also a responsibility of the board to look into the future, and especially considering the disruption that is literally happening now. And it's not just about Gen AI, there are quite a few other factors to really step back and think about what does it mean for my business model and what is the opportunity here, because it could be created significantly faster and create significantly stronger wealth than the companies have today. Thank you both. Many companies have already navigated and are currently navigating digital transformations. Do you think new digital transformation initiatives should incorporate Gen AI? And do you see that happening right now? Again, maybe to start us off on this, I think in general, I wouldn't distinguish maybe that hard. I think uh, the companies who are, at least from my and our observation, I think the companies who have been leading in, uh, let's say, digitization or digital transformation, many of those are, have, of course, supplied some of the core aspects around artificial intelligence and machine learning already. So, uh, and then Gen AI would be an augmentation to new areas uh, of this. But again, Douglas, Aaron, what's your views? Yeah, I, for me, so much of this comes down to the talent that you have and the culture that you have in the organization to facilitate the success of that talent in pioneering the adoption of new technologies. If I think about that question that you just asked, Sean, to what extent does this relate to digital transformation generally? My sense is that actually the organizations that will succeed in any transformation, and particularly those in in sort of digital uh, directions, ones that entail a great familiarity with how to make use of, of an organization's data and how to put in place the correct infrastructure, operationally, technologically, as well as organizationally. So much of that relies upon having the right people in your organization who are motivated and incentivized in the right ways. And so that's why for me, it really comes back to the talent that you have and the culture that you have to encourage those individuals who are rare to find the the ones that are truly experts in this technical domain to go about experimenting and then scaling the experiments that are successful within an organization, oftentimes in partnership with others, with with startups or scale-ups in the industry that are showcasing the potential and benefits of generative techniques in a, in a variety of applications. So I think for me, the, the two key pieces to emphasize as a, as a board would be you know, do we have the right people and are we inculcating a sort of atmosphere and environment in which those people can succeed? And maybe just to add on a little bit to the end briefly, 
So, so the starting question was the connection between Gen AI and digital transformation, you know, and how it tells you to apart. And there's sort of a there's sort of a meta theme here that you can. And let me just double down on that. There, if you look at organizations that think Gen AI is different from digital transformation, what you'll see is organizations that have a lot of Gen AI pilots, uh, and and those pilots are maybe cool but they actually haven't had the kind of impact that we're talking about here that Alexander was just talking about. They haven't, they haven't reached. The organizations that view Gen AI as just another set of tools in this digital transformation, in this different ways of doing things, are the ones where you're seeing Gen AI reach the value that Alexander talked about. So if I could just come back to Aaron's comment on the skills you need in the organization, what about the board's skills in regards to Gen AI? Are you seeing an evolution in board composition and uh, maybe the training of existing board members to help address this? I would say that what is critical now is to possess the sufficient technical understanding to be able to say with confidence what is possible today, along with the ability to forecast creatively what will come in 6, 12, 18, 24 months and beyond. We all, I think in the field, have a sense of different dimensions uh, of, of advance that will occur, whether that's in terms of agentic behavior, you know, systems that can operate on their own in more complex planning contexts, or multimodality and the ability to intake and generate different uh, media, uh, whether that's audio, visual, uh, video, and other, you know, code and, and different languages and, and so on. Being able to ha- forecast what what might be possible in three to five years, not necessarily with certainty, could be fuzzy. And then skate towards that as an organization, I think is really critical versus always solving for sort of what we can do today. Because as Fridjof mentioned earlier, this field is advancing so quickly with the inability to predict exactly what will come, you know, next week or, you know, next month that uh, I think the more we can plan for where the puck is going versus where we are today, chasing you know where the puck is today, is uh, something that's ever more critical. So I think it's super important to consider what's the role of the board versus the role of the management team kind of in this in this in this in this domain. So I spend a lot of time coaching boards on this topic, and I I routinely get this question like, "Oh my God, I don't understand AI. How can I help?" I'm like, well, that's cool. In the 1970s, nobody understood ERP, right? And yet, it turned out it worked. <laughs> right? So, I, I, for for me, actually, I, I I don't think this is a brave new world for boards. But I think for Jeff Lade, pretty clearly, kind of the different kinds of boards. I I do think this is a time when you really need a board that's leaned in, understanding what management's trying to do. But that's around querying. That's around understanding what the board is trying, what the management team excuse me, is trying to do. That's about being incisive. So, you know, to Aaron's point, you need people who are technical enough and mathematical enough to push so you don't get yourself lost in, in slideware. But if your primary job is to say, how do I make this company as effective as possible? Then you're really pushing on what's the management team doing? Are they envisioning the future correctly? To Aaron's point, like, are they making the right long-term 
guesses and, and your job as a board member is to be incisive. I'm not sure that's radically different from the mainframe revolution, the ARP revolution, the PC revolution. It's just happening more quickly. I would like to build on what Douglas said because it's important. We clearly won't be able to augment every board with the best technology leaders, and it might not necessarily be needed. The question is, how do you lead by example and start from educating yourself? Number two is also, how do you budget it? While we all focused around investments, be it OPEX, be it CAPEX in technology, for every dollar that we see is put in technology, if you would like it to succeed beyond pilots, you need to budget three or four for human beings, be it upskilling, be training, bringing bring new blood in the organization. I think this is extremely important and start, and start from leading by example. Thank you. So Fritjof, what's your view? I would emphasize two things maybe when it comes to the fundamental question of how does this affect you know, board composition and how can the board get upskilled? I think number one, it's more a continuation of a trend we already saw when it came to how can you find at least some board members that have at least a, a relatively deep technological understanding? I agree, all boards does not need to to have you know amazing uh, deep AI experts uh, on it. But I think the learning, at least from the um, from the last ten years, when every single chair and, and board were looking for you know digital board directors, I think we learned that uh, first of all you have to have critical mass. Then the, the second key aspect is that this will ultimately impact almost every single area of responsibility for the board of directors. So it impacts strategy, it impacts your inorganic agenda, it impacts how you think about risk, it impacts how you performance manage, uh, it, it impacts talent. It has a, a significant impact on all of the core responsibilities of the board of directors, or at least where they need to have the oversight and and uh, a, a deep understanding. So ultimately, the entire board needs, and I agree, they do not need to be experts in the field, but they need to understand enough to be able to ask the right questions. And they do need to get upskilled on what are some of the risks? I mean, what are the risks on the regulatory side? What are the risks uh, in terms of, of course, the hallucinations, but you know, the, the factuality of the, of the answers that, that you get? They need to understand you know, what are some of the organizational requirements almost to do this? What are some of the, quite frankly, technological in terms of data access uh, requirements? What will this imply for the culture uh, we have? So, so I think you need to have to ensure that the board is able to, again, ask the right questions. And for in order to do that, they need to get upskilled. Thank you all. There's lots to digest here. And I'd love to get a little bit more into the questions that boards should be asking. Fritjof, what would you say are the biggest priorities for boards to be discussing with management right now on Gen AI? I think the first one is really understanding how will this affect our industry? in different time dimensions. In the very short term, what do we need to do urgently uh, or what are we facing urgently? And you know, how might this affect our industry and our company in the much longer term? Uh, and that is, of course, both on the opportunity side, on how it will affect the competitive dynamics and on the, you know, how will this potentially also disrupt part, uh, parts of our business? And then, of course, the second big bucket of questions that the board needs to ask is, you know, how do we mitigate? How do we handle some of the risks inherent in this in Gen AI? And, and that can be, you know, everything again from, you know, IP rights, uh, 
from uh, uh, bias and how you uh, mitigate that from again regulatory requirements etc so and uh, again hallucinations so so you have a you have a whole sort of series of risks that you need and ultimately you will be responsible for as a board that you at least, at least need to have on your radar screen and you need to have concrete mechanisms to mitigate and i thought through that and then of course you need to decide on what is the risk appetite because you cannot do anything uh, you know almost anything without taking this some risk but you need to take the right type of risk again with the boundaries um, that you need to have and then the third uh, question is really around how, how do you think about going as alex mentioned from you know, singular or multiple use cases but to really scale and then the last bucket of questions that uh, that you should ensure to ask management is you know, how are we basically equipped what are the organizational capabilities that we can leverage how uh, are you know data organized in our uh, uh, in our company do we have the uh, tech stack uh, required do we actually have the talent required and what will this look like going forward uh, as Aaron mentioned and you know, do we quite frankly have the the learning mindset, the learning culture, are we external uh, or externalized enough? Are we systematically learning from the frontier? Are we picking up the signals in the external world? Or are we sort of saying, ah, we, we got it pretty much covered internally, uh, which I think is a very dangerous mindset to have uh, in the, the current uh, stage. So these are some of the questions, but maybe we uh, let's bring it back, uh, Aaron, Douglas, uh, Alexander, what do you think and, and what are some of the key questions that you see out there? Maybe just I'll, I'll, I'll augment this list with one that you actually mentioned in 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 passing feature up and I'll just sort of reinforce this notion that you you, you termed it as are, are we sort of externally oriented sufficiently to learn from what's occurring at the frontier. There are so many amazing novel applications of this technology arising every day. As someone who invests in the earliest stage of companies, I have an impossible task of trying to stay, you know, keep abreast of sort of the, the latest uh, advances that are occurring in any given industry. Uh, it's just remarkable. The, the, the explosion, people often use the term Cambrian explosion to denote the, the the degree of, of intensity that is that is occurring uh, at, at the earliest of stages right now. And I think for more mature organizations and for boards of those organizations, there is so much that one can learn through observation, through study of what are some general trends or themes among that cohort or, or set of companies. And then how can we consider adopting some of those practices ourselves, either through partnership with such organizations uh, or through sort of in-house uh, incubation of, of technology and uh, experimentation. And, and so to your point that being fully inward looking or insular is a key risk to avoid, I would just reinforce that having folks who are externally oriented and really benefit the organization by bringing in some of the sort of observations and learnings uh, secondhand. Uh, and, and so that I think that would be a piece of 
maybe a question for the board would be, you know, to what extent are we as an organization um, seeking to learn from what's happening at the frontier and how are we, you know, who, who, who is responsible for that and, and how are they sharing what they're seeing? Those kinds of questions. And maybe I can bridge off that a little bit, kind of, so that we're balancing value creation with adequate risk management. Um, and that's often code for how can I not do this? Like, how, how, how can I avoid doing this stuff? Because uh, I'm scared. Uh, and I would actually got to, to me, adequate risk management is, am I doing enough stuff? So there's this question of how do I figure out, how, how do I make sure that management has an experimental mindset, has an external mindset, to Aaron's point, and an experimental mindset. So I'm trying things, I'm learning from the outside, and I'm not sort of letting management build systems where they say no to everything because it's more comfortable to say no. Because part of a board's job is to make management slightly uncomfortable. And that's a case where I, where I, I really want to encourage hard consideration of what the risks are. Not just the downside risks, but the opportunity costs of not doing things. Maybe, Aaron, if you were to put your portfolio company hat that interacts with quite a few management and supervisory boards, and let's assume they got colleagues who are looking externally, what do you see working and what do you see not necessarily working today? Because at the end of the day, their customers are slightly more mature organizations. I think some of the hallmarks have been, have included true partnership at the most senior of levels to understand what the most significant challenges are to the given organization that are tractable from a technical perspective. That is to say that lend themselves well to the new techniques that we have thanks to generative AI, as well as, as, as you mentioned earlier in the conversation, Alexander, other forms of, of machine learning uh, or even heuristic-based uh, techniques that uh, that we still have room to implement uh, and, and would benefit. So I think a real depth of understanding of one another uh, so that at the, that the very top rungs of leadership and with boards, there is a sense of what are the key priorities for this coming period because what is also the case with this technology is that it is often very general in its in its applicability. It's it's widely uh, uh, available for for use, and so there's a lot of tailoring that needs to occur to really both pinpoint where the best you know initial uh, applications could be, whether that's in you know searching internal documentation in generating generating copy, you know, writing for various uh, contexts in marketing and sales or customer service and so on and so on. I could go through all the various use cases that are proving immediately uh, sort of profitable and, and, and beneficial. Figuring out which one makes the most sense for you at this point in time with the talent that you have, with the relation is, is something that I think is just um, pretty paramount. One thing I would also just mention um, is, you know, Douglas, I think you made a really key point that I'll, I'll also reinforce. I often hear people talk about risk in the frame of risk of oh, what, what are the risks associated with commission? If I do this, then what bad things could happen and therefore what should I not do? And oftentimes I think about instead, as it sounds like you do, uh, 
what is the risk of omission? If I do not pursue the this technology or this this you know pilot or this program, what is the what what, what will I miss out on occurring? What is the upside that I will leave on the table? And so I think challenging management teams as board members on both of those fronts, not just what is the risk of commission, but what is the risk of omission, um, can be can be a helpful uh, sort of line of inquiry. Very interesting, including this notion of missing opportunities from inaction or omission. But around those commission risks, though, or risks of action, what would you say are the risks that you most have to pay attention to as a board director? Because failing to address vulnerabilities like that can have very significant organization-wide consequences. Aaron, what are your thoughts there? I'll just mention one, which is around data and the sort of secure storage and utilization of data and also maximal usage of, of data. So this goes both ways. On the one hand, you, it's absolutely, you know, so much of an organization can be captured in digital format and that intellectual property carries tremendous value. Indeed, much of the reticence to adopt GPT 3.5, 4, now Turbo, uh, in, in the sort of enterprise world was around uh, uncertainty as to the protection of that data. If we went and used the, you know, let's say the, the consumer version of the, even the professional version of ChatGPT, to what extent am I going to leak proprietary information out into the world and will they then use that to train their next model and so on and so on? I think that's a very reasonable concern to have and one which we can now because there are so many uh, sort of language model providers we can we can uh, mitigate. And so I think that's that's a key piece for a board to have in mind is what how are we interacting and how are we protecting our proprietary data? To go the other direction in terms of how are we also making the maximal use of our data, for many organizations, I think this will provide an even greater impetus to identify where are like how are we storing our data very technically, like technologically, where where does it exist? How cohesive is it? How how uh, how readily accessible is the database that we have? All because that is such a goldmine now, uh, and the more we can use that data to train or fine tune models or use it as a resource for retrieval with various techniques that now exist for these models that will mitigate some of the issues that you mentioned, Fritoff, around hallucination and so on. If we have that that data collected and stored in a sort of cohesive, coherent manner that is readily accessible, that can be a huge asset uh, for, for an organization. So just all the more critical to have uh, people focused intently on that. I, I, I'll, I'll stop now and welcome Douglas and Alexander, your thoughts on what other risks are worth boards having in mind. Well, to hallucinate was decided as the word of the year, but quite a few dictionaries this year, right? And there is a lot of discussion around this one. Now, I think my challenge here, when human beings hallucinate, we pretty much say nothing. So when speaking about the risk of hallucination, it requires a proper monitoring, be it by machines, be it human being, but it's not any different but managing the organization where human beings are hallucinate as well. So for me, it's really risk number one, when you really rely on technology without human in the loop. 
on the first and second order implication. And second thing is also if we go into the foundational models themselves, we all understand that we cannot com compare them and it's really self-declared today. So what you need to understand, A, which model is working better for a use case or domain reinvention that you need, and then ensure that you create a chassis that is technology agnostic in a sense, where you could plug dozens of foundational model to power your domains within the organization. And it goes back to what Douglas said around digital transformation, is how do you create the chassis that irrespectively where technology will go, you're able to plug it in and out to being able to reinvent your organization as well as to achieve the productivity gains. And that's a responsibility for the board to watch out these things. Great. So now we've been focusing on how the board should oversee GenIAI's use in the enterprise, but what are some of the implications this technology has for the workings of the board itself? Fritjof? Yeah, I, I think first of all, I think it makes, you know, in general, uh, the time spent on upskilling even more important. I think the value also as a as a bearer of the co uh, corporate culture and as a role model, quite frankly, which has become more important over the last years. I think the externalization and you know how the board of directors invites in external perspectives on this topic and other topics. I think that becomes even more important. And then, of course, it is how the boards are working uh, themselves. I think one big shift we we saw. Actually, after or during the pandemic, because we were forced to, was of course, you know, virtual board meetings using board platforms, uh, online platforms, uh, cloud-based uh, you know, board software with uh, access to data to a much larger extent than before. Just like you know, everyone else was forced uh, to to work virtually, uh, and I think that provides an opportunity for. Now, how do you access company information with uh, some of the classic, uh, uh, let's say, uh, pain points, you could say, in the interface between boards and management is often that, you know, you get a lot of questions from very engaged uh, and active board directors who have questions about how things are working in the organization. They want some data on this. Like, you know, we in McKinsey, we have our own, you know, Lily with access to, you know, basically everything on our databases to our employees. I mean, if you give that access to the board of directors, you can actually ask and get a lot of corporate information about any singular aspect of the company. So that is one. It just you know enables access to a much deeper and broader source of information with a much simpler interface and less time consuming and frustrating for sometimes the receiving end in the organization. That is one. And then you can, of course, build from there and say, you know, Gen AI, AI assisted decision making. So basically, improving uh, the quality of decision making. You have some esoteric, interesting, but but very interesting examples of you know. There's a company in Japan with a uh, you know virtual board director where you know the AI gets a vote, etc. I mean, which are experimenting with different uh, versions. So I don't know exactly how that went, but if they still have, uh, I'd say the. Uh, the AI turned on. When we started our journey as Quantum Black, well before it was called Generative AI, we first invested in the company more than seven years ago called Spark Beyond that analyzes different signals. And since then, we started to create what we call a board co-pilot. So it's, uh, uh, Sean, you could decide whether it's a board member or augmenting existing board members. I think it's a matter of definition. But what is important, you create a co-pilot board member to assemble the information in real time to get the analysis. And by the way, by doing so, you're also learning from mistakes and the art of possible. 
So it's also part of your own education. So we're seeing quite a few boards across industries that are using various co-pilot to support decision-making, be it for the preparation for the board, but be it discussion during the board online. That's fascinating. I'd imagine a fair bit of the data accessed by a Gen AI system for decision-making, especially by a board, could be quite sensitive. And that makes me wonder, are there any specific cases where you'd recommend that a company move to a proprietary Gen AI system, including for use by the board itself? Alexander, what do you think? We get asked it a lot of times, but let's face the reality. Most of the companies, especially outside the technological space, are not going to develop their own foundational models, point one. And by the way, if you look at quite a few open source examples with good community support, they're as good as proprietary. Therefore, what the companies, most of them will need to do is really the curate among quite a few foundational models to be able to power their domains, point one. Point two, you still need to have a good and reliable data. You still need to have human beings, be it techies, but be it rest of the organization who understands how to use it. You still need to have a very different organizational setup as well as strategic vision for what it is. Thank you. So we've covered a lot of ground today. Um, going beyond this notion of a board co-pilot, what are some of the other applications most likely enhanced by Gen AI and to prioritize for early deployment? Number one is concision. Think about any database, be it your HR database, be it your maintenance manual, ability to summarize it and have real-time interaction with the database to get the information. And be the most, I think, obvious example is knowledge management, be it for blue-collar workers, be it for the top team. Number two, it's really around coding and software engineering. So your ability to take legacy code and move it into modern software, by this pretty much as optimizing your cost structure and making your IT more sustainable, as well as speeding up and significantly accelerating on the modern software development. Number three is really content. Think about image, and I think Aaron talked about movie, sound, you name it, any corporate communication, any marketing communication could be created using generative AI, right? You could think about, and we have in these palettes at the West Coast, with a single script writer, you create a movie. It looks very naive, but it's actually real. And then last but not least, it's really around conversational ability. Because what really happens here is we able to interact with technology in our own language. Not computer-sized language, but our own language, be it true sound, be it true typing. And therefore, all the notion from very basics of what we see today, like a website, why do I need to go through something that somebody else channels me through instead of asking questions directly? And then if you think about the call centers of augmenting workers at the call centers, be it around what's the best advice or customer care we could provide to a customer. What's the upsell and cross-sell opportunities? So I think these are the forces that are seen more frequently coming into most of the organization today. But again, the difference between the winners and the rest is, are you able to scale it beyond just showing a nice pilot in a protected environment? That's a great point. I mean, the impact from these technologies only really happens when one scales beyond the pilot. So let's wrap up with your final thoughts for board members listening to this podcast. What are you most excited about? Oh boy, that's a tough. Uh, that's a tough prospect. I, I suppose maybe what I'll do is I'll try to 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 close the loop from from where we started the conversation. There was a question around board composition and and how can boards 
prepare themselves as effectively as possible to be good, uh, to provide a useful governance to management teams. One element that excites me is the prospect of using these tools as assistance in learning. And so for board members who want to better understand the technology and the ways in which they can leverage the technology in their own board operations or within their specific organization or just generally in the world, actually going and using some of these tools to engage in that brainstorming can be hugely effective. Indeed, this is one of the ways that Sam Altman himself says that he most enjoys and leverages the technology is as a teaching tool. And so when he wants to, you know, gain an understanding of particle physics, he will treat ChatGPT as his tutor and just have a conversation in the way that Alexander was describing conversationally to better understand what's, you know, the, the, the different sort of elements of, of, uh, of that field. So too can board members learn about generative AI itself by using generative AI and thereby gain a sense of familiarity with with the technology. So that, that's something that maybe could be um, an exciting uh, prompt for, for board members. That's great, Aaron. And that is something that everyone can do starting today. Thank you. Um, Douglas, what are your thoughts? So if you look at technology revolutions in the past, the mainframe revolution, the ERP revolution, the PC revolution, the mobile revolution, um, each one has had incredible uh, implications for business, you know, transformations to business or you know, translocations even for business. But one of the things that's that's, that's uh, always noticeable is there is a very clear early mover advantage, not necessarily first mover advantage, but early mover advantage. And so uh, McKinsey has said that that Gen AI is going to create about $7 trillion in value, which is the GDP of a major uh, country. But when you click one level down, you realize that a lot of those values will go to the people who move, maybe not at first, but relatively early. What I'm excited to see in boards over the next you know, couple of years is how you all steer your management teams to be maybe not the first mover, but an early mover so that you're one of the winning set as opposed to the losing set. Thank you, Douglas. Alexander? I'm personally most passionate about reimagination of domains, not just staying at the productivity level. So it's really about what was said before, stepping back and looking how this technology combined with others, and by the way, combined with other AI techniques, is able to change what we are doing today in an extremely radical way, as opposed to staying on 10 or 20% productivity improvement. Thank you, Alexander. Fritjof, you get the final word. I'm with Douglas. I'm for boards being a catalyst for change and an accelerator in realizing this, you know, seven trillion of value uh, creation potential and productivity increase, which I think will benefit, you know, business, entire regions, countries, the globe, uh, and the boards can be a catalyst for accelerated value capture. Uh, this is great. Thank you, uh, Fritjof, Douglas, Alexander, and Aaron. Really enjoyed this conversation. It was a pleasure uh, having you on the podcast today. Thanks so much. Thanks so thank much. Thank you. It's been great. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us today. 
We'll share a link to their article in the show notes. And we welcome your feedback and ideas for future podcasts. And you can share those via email at ITSR at McKinsey.com. That stands for Inside the Strategy Room. You can also share your ratings and reviews on any podcast player with many thanks to everyone who's already done so. We really appreciate all your comments and feedback, and please do keep them coming. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to subscribe, all you need to do is follow our weekly series on any podcast player, where you can also access our entire library of previous episodes. We also offer an Inside the Strategy Room podcast collection page available at mckinsey.com slash ITSR. And there you can easily browse our prior podcasts across six major themes, as well as access written transcripts of all of those conversations. Finally, if you'd like to automatically receive our latest publications and insights, we encourage you to sign up for email alerts on our insights page at mckinsey.com or follow us on X at MCK Strategy or connect with us on LinkedIn at the McKinsey Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice page. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to having you join us again next week inside the Strategy Room.